scripture comes from John uh, second uh, verse one through eleven, and we just pray that you know God can just open our hearts to receive what He has for us this morning, that uh, we can feel His presence and He can transform our lives. So would you join me in just reading the passage this morning? On the third day, there was a uh, wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. And both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, What business do you have with me, woman? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Whatever he tells you, do it. Now there were six stones, water spots, standing there for the Jewish custom of purification, containing two or three measurements each. Jesus said to them, fill the water spots with water. So they filled them up to the brim. And then he said to them, draw some, draw some out now and take it to the head waiter. And they took it to him. Now... When the head waiter tasted the water, which had become wine, and did not know where it came from, but the servants who had dried the water knew, the head waiter called the groom, and he said to him, Every man serves the good wine first, and when the guests are drunk, then he serves the, uh, the poor wine. But you have kept the good wine until now. This beginning of his signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and revealed his glory and his disciples believe in him. So now we just gonna have uh, Alison come. Uh, I'm sure you all know Alison. She's one of worship leaders here at Renew. And we're so excited, so happy that she's gonna share with us. So welcome Alison this morning. Good morning, everyone. All right, let's see, mask off, mic turned this way. Am I good? (laughs) All right, well, good morning. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Allison, and often you will find me alongside my husband Bob and Paul and Mark uh, leading worship here at Renew, but it is a sincere, sincere pleasure for me to be with you in this capacity today, so I'm pretty excited. And this particular passage is really, really rich with so much goodness, so many little gems, so I'm very excited to be speaking on it this morning. What I'd like to do before I dig in is I would like to invite each of you to pull out your phones and uh, go ahead and look up this passage in your preferred translation or language. Go ahead and, and take the time to do that if you like. There's, this is pretty wordy. I had it read today in the NS, NASB translation, which is very literal and sometimes gets a little clunky. But go ahead and pull it up in your preferred translation so you can refer back to it. And uh, we can make sure to hear what the Lord is speaking to you today. Now, I would venture to guess that as each of you read through this, there's a different part that jumps out at you. 
And there are a lot of options. <laughs> a lot of options in here for things that might jump out at you as something you really, you really resonate with or that the Lord is really speaking to you this morning. And we might touch on some of those today because I'm, I'm going to try to touch on, on quite a few things. But, but ultimately, uh, part of the complexity of this scripture is what's so beautiful about it. And we can come back to scriptures and passages like this time and time again. And the Lord can reveal new things to us each time in each season of our lives. And uh, what I felt like the Lord really wanted me to speak on this morning was to focus on the conversation that took place between Mary and Jesus. And just to set the stage, of course, we're, we're at a wedding, and uh, it's safe to assume that this is a family member of Jesus's. For Mary to have had the inside information on the wine running out means that she likely was a relative, maybe even the mother of one of the people who was getting married. So uh, it's safe to assume that we are at a family wedding. And it was something that, that Jesus uh, attended to celebrate along with his disciples. And so that kind of sets the stage for the celebration. We know that wedding celebrations were multi-days, week-long events, and that wine was just a common part of that. So the fact that the wine has run out in this instance is kind of a big deal. It's potentially going to lead to the abrupt end of this week-long celebration, and definitely it would be quite an embarrassment to the bride and groom uh, to have their, their party ended, and it might look like misplanning on their part, or it, it just could add to some strife and some, some negative energy at what would have otherwise been a joyous celebration, and that's why Mary is concerned. But when we take a look at the way the conversation happens between Mary and Jesus, I think we might feel a little bit jarred by some of what, what gets said there. And one of the reasons I asked you to go ahead and, and look at the, your preferred translation or language is because when Jesus replies to Mary saying, the wine has run out, his response might raise some eyebrows. And the way it's translated actually varies relatively significantly between the translations. I'll read some. Uh, NIV says, uh, why do you involve me? NLT says, that is not our problem. ESV says, what does this have to do with me? And you see NASB 20 says, what business do you have with me? So we have a variety of responses there, but the general idea is, why is this my business? Why is this my problem? And I don't know about any of you guys, but that feels out of character. I mean, to me, we know that we, we know that Jesus is responsive, that Jesus is loving and kind, and it feels a little jarring to me that his response to her is going to be, why do you involve me? Why is this my business? I don't see why this is my problem, right? And then there's also the woman piece, but uh, just to put that to rest, he does say woman, but in many translations you'll see they say dear woman because that would not have been an offensive way to address his mother at that time. So that part isn't offensive, although when we read it, woman, why do you involve me? Definitely feels a little, what? 
What did Jesus just say? I'm sorry, let me read that again. <laughs> okay, but, the, but the, the use of the word woman there was, was quite respectful and fine. But still, we have, the, we have to reconcile this way. Why is this my business? Right? And then he further goes on to say, my time has not yet come. And I had to take pause as I was reading this because I'm not sure how Mary could have reconciled in that moment coming to Jesus which she probably was accustomed to doing, coming to her son in this manner, and saying, this is a problem. And knowing that Jesus is responsive and relational, and yet his response is, this is not my problem, and my time has not yet come. It sounds like a no. <laughs> it sounds like a rejection. It sounds kind of like he, he shut her down in that moment. Right? And the truth of the matter is, Mary had to decide right then how she was going to respond to his response. And I'm sure that we find ourselves in this position a lot where we are stuck with two conflicting feelings that seem to be at odds with one another. Like Mary probably was in this situation. I know Jesus loves me. I know he's relational and responsive. But it sounds like maybe he just said no. It sounds like God has another plan for his ministry, public ministry on this earth. And, and maybe he's not going to do anything about this problem I just brought before him. And she's in that position. I think we find ourselves uh, often in that position. And if you think about our faith journeys it's not going to be uncommon that sometimes we feel a little stuck when we try to rationalize God. If you think about our faith journeys, often we're found with scriptures that say things like, do not judge one another. And then we're told that you should rebuke and admonish your brother. And sometimes that gets pretty tricky. We know we serve a God who created nothing but good in this world and yet evil still exists. We come against situations where we want to pray specific prayers, but we also know that God has a perfect plan. And we have to wrestle with that idea of, do I bring my specific prayers before God, or do I just say, your will, God? And if you're anything like me, you can get tripped up by some of those thought processes. I did, in fact, early in my faith journey, at 21 years of age, have a dear friend who was diagnosed with osteosarcoma. And he was 21 and loved Jesus. And I was on my knees every day praying for, for the Lord to heal his body. And ultimately, my friend passed away at 21 years old. And it shook me. I wasn't sure how to take the idea and the notion that we serve a responsive and loving God and reconcile it with the fact that he has a perfect plan and that I might not understand that plan. It was challenging. Often in our human brains, we want to use our logic and our rationale to fit things into certain boxes. And we forget that God exists outside of our logic. God's goodness cannot be contained in our rationale and reasoning. 
there's a super, this is a, this is a silly kind of example, and I'm probably going to embarrass myself with my lack of understanding here, but, but as many of you know, I homeschool my, my kids, and in teaching them science, not too long ago, we came across uh, talking about the states of matter, solids, liquids, gases, and I very much remembered this really fascinating fact that my chemistry teacher had taught me, that glass is actually not a solid, but a liquid. Was anyone else taught this? Glass is a liquid. Glass is a liquid. And it blew my mind when I learned it, right? And, and uh, I, was, I was ready to teach this to my kids, blow their minds. And I realized that before I, I tried to teach this to them, I should probably dig into it a little more and make sure I knew what I was talking about. And in doing so, I realized I had no idea what I was talking about. And as it turns out, uh, a, lot of, a lot of tour guides, even still today, when they're touring folks through um, uh, looking at the stained glass of the Middle Ages, they'll point to the fact that the stained glass is thicker on the bottom as evidence of the fact that glass is actually not a solid, but it is a liquid. But as I was looking into this, I was reading a, a, a journal article in Scientific American, and as it turns out, this is not true. <laughs> glass is not a liquid. So for any of the rest of you who trusted your high school chemistry teachers, they were wrong. Glass is not a liquid. But here's the thing, it's not a solid either. What? 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 <laughs> it must fit in a box. <laughs> Give it a category. <laughs> I do not know how to process this, right? And I will, I will read to you what, what the scientist said in the Scientific American. You can see if this makes sense to you, okay? Solids are highly organized structures. They include crystals like sugar and salt with their millions of atoms lined up in a row. Glasses, like liquids, don't have that order. Glasses, though more organized than liquids, do not attain the rigid order of crystals, but they do remain amorphous, meaning they remain a long-range order. Huh? You got, you everybody got it now? Everybody got it? How about the middle school and high school students? You guys got that? <laughs> I mean, the truth of the matter is, few of us can actually completely comprehend the thermodynamic and material properties of glass enough to wrap our brains around how to actually categorize this. But that doesn't stop us from interacting with glass on a day-to-day -day basis and not thinking twice about its existence. Right? I don't, I don't know that any of you have ever walked by a window and been caught off guard and said, I'm, I'm sorry, I just, I can't, I can't, I can't talk to anybody else right now. I'm, I, okay, it's not a liquid and it's not a solid. It's amorphous, but it doesn't have the rigid, nope, 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 can't. All right, I'm not going to be able to do anything today until I figure this out, right? We just roll with it. And if we're willing to do that with glass, how much more should we be willing to do that with the majesty and glory of God? Yes? I mean, there is no way our brains can completely categorize his plans, his goodness, his reasoning. We can't, and we'll try. 
we'll try. And, it, and, it's, and it's not bad that we try because he did give us these wonderful brains that we should be using to think, but we have to acknowledge that our understanding will hit a limit and we, we will have to rest in his mystery at some point. And here we have Mary in a situation where she brought her need before Jesus and she receives an answer that maybe was difficult to understand uh, what she was supposed to do with that. Sounds maybe like a no. Sounds maybe like God has other plans. Right? But what she does in that moment should be a lesson for us because what she does is she replies with obedience. She doesn't start asking him a bunch of questions. She doesn't spin out trying to come up with solutions to the fact that Jesus' time hasn't yet come. She doesn't debate him. <laughs> she simply turns to the servants and says, do whatever he tells you. She doesn't know what that's going to be. She's not even making predictions. She's just standing in faith and obedience. Do whatever he says. Whatever that might be. Listen to him. Right? And what happens here, what we see, is that we see Jesus' action, Jesus' response, blessing not just the bride and groom, not just the party goers, but also the servants, and even more so us today as we get to read a passage that has layer upon layer of, of signs and symbolisms and lessons for us. Mary was worried about the wine, and Jesus' response to Mary went beyond solving the wine problem, well beyond. Mary couldn't have even envisioned in that moment how rich and layered and good Jesus' response was going to be and how well it would glorify God. She couldn't even have envisioned it. I mean, let's just take a, let's just take a minute to uh, review what, how we're blessed by this passage, Okay? I'm going to hit some of the highlights of some of the things we could really dig into. Honestly, I think this passage could be 12 different sermons. I'm not even kidding. Just pick something. When you read this, something stirred in your heart, and it was probably different than what stirred in the heart of your neighbor, because this passage is rich, okay? We have this happening on the third day of the wedding celebration. Does that remind anyone of, every, of anything? three days after Jesus was crucified, we have this happening at a wedding celebration, which is the celebration of a covenant being made. And what is Jesus ushering in but our new covenant with him? It's happening at a wedding, which also shows us that Jesus cares about our unions and our relationships. He's there. He's present with us. We have Jesus meeting a need that is actually not about a physical ailment. That's a whole sermon in and of itself. When Jesus meets the need to turn the water to wine, he's not restoring anyone's sight. He's not allowing someone who couldn't walk to get up and walk. And this is big because often we go first to physical needs. And it, that makes sense, right? That's, that's survival. But 
Time and time again, we know that when the unhoused populations, for example, are surveyed and they are asked what is their biggest struggle, often you will hear not the answer of I'm hungry or I'm cold, often you will hear I am lonely. People walk by me and don't even make eye contact. And in, in this story, we see Jesus caring about a situation that the people were going to be in, an embarrassment, an abrupt end of the celebration. This isn't just a physical need. He cares about our emotions. He cares about our, our suffering. There's a whole sermon, right? Then Jesus uses the ceremonial washing jugs, cleansing jugs. How radically countercultural is Jesus that he used the ceremonial cleansing jugs for this miracle? Right? Because he came to fulfill the Old Testament. He, we, we weren't going to need those cleansing jugs much longer, were we? Because we were going to be washed clean with the blood of Jesus. And then what's, what's often symbolize, symbolizing the, the blood of Jesus? Wine. Wine. And it wasn't just any wine, but the best wine. Jesus was the ultimate gift and continues to bless us in ways that are better than what we could imagine. Better. Now, I think you can see that, that easily. How many different potential sermons could that have been, right? But I'm not even done, because what happens, what happens when some people get to be the people who enjoy this wonderful, wonderful wine, and yet it looks like some folks might have been le left out of this blessing? Perhaps looks like the servants got left out of tasting this wonderful, best ever wine. But what happens with the servants? they get even better because the servants, the least of these, arguably, are the ones who get to actually see Jesus' first miracle on this earth. What a blessing. What a blessing that the glory of God is manifested there and they get to see it with their own eyes without even tasting that wine, probably. Right? It really is important for us to take the time and realize that if we spin our wheels trying to figure out and predict what God's response is going to be to us in every situation, we might miss out on the fact that his response is ultimately going to be better than we could ever imagine. Yeah. And Mary, in this moment brings her burdens, the burdens on her heart, lays them at the feet of Jesus. And knowing that there's a complexity that is far beyond her ability to comprehend, she stands back with a posture of obedience and lets him, lets Jesus, figure out the best way to move forward. We cannot try to do God's job for him. We cannot toil endlessly 
trying to categorize the complexity of a God that exists outside our human ability to comprehend. I'm going to read that one again, because I actually wrote that one down. We cannot toil endlessly trying to categorize the complexity of a God that exists outside our human ability to comprehend. We cannot replace faith and obedience with logic and reason. This week has been a heavy week with Russia's invasion of Ukraine. And depending on your personality, you might have replied to that internally with anger, an outrage, sadness, fear. And it can be really challenging in situations like this to even fathom how God could be glorified amidst such violence. And the truth of the matter is, it's not actually our job to fathom that. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no human mind has conceived the things that God has prepared for those who love him. So I guess my, my challenge to you is this. As you navigate life and the complexity of the different situations you're in and the heartache of different struggles that you might face. Bring it to Jesus. Bring it all to Jesus. Every single last thing, even if it seems small, bring it to Jesus. But don't try to predict exactly what he's going to do with that. Don't get caught up if it seems like his response isn't exactly what you were expecting. Just stand in faith, ready to obey. Because that's when the glory of God will be manifested and revealed, not just to you, but to the others who are present and to, and to individuals you can't even fathom might have been watching or might be able to learn from it in the future. Is that something we can all agree to try to, to, try to think about as we move forward? Whether, whether, we are, whether we are looking at the news, interacting with our family members, mundane day at work, in all situations, bring it to Jesus and stand ready to obey. Amen? Yes. Heavenly Father, thank you so much that you are a God who is so much bigger and more complex than we can even comprehend. Please don't let us get caught up or confused trying to fit you into a box, God, when we know that you exist outside of boxes, Lord. We just pray that as we navigate life, as we trust that you are loving and relational and responsive when we bring our needs before you, you would also help us to trust that your ways are perfect. That if we would just stand obedient and faithful, Lord, that your glory can be revealed in the most mysterious and beautiful of ways, Lord. We thank you for letting us to get to see glimpses of that, God. And we pray that you would continue to keep our eyes open to see more of them. Amen.